God is good. Isn't he good? Good morning, everyone. Uh, great day to be, be with all of you today. And in fact, I think it's raining outside. You can hear uh, the rain increase and decrease hitting on our roof. So good to be with all of you here this morning. We want to welcome all of those that have tuned in online as well, all of our friends and family that have joined us that are watching. Can we welcome our online community this morning? Thank you for tuning in. We are uh, in a vision in a vision series titled "We Are Victory." We are victory, and we started the series a few weeks ago, and we we talked about how the foundational scripture, not only for this series but we believe for the year, is found in Zephaniah three seventeen, and it's going to be up on the screen here in just a moment. But once it comes up, we're going to read it all together, all out loud at once, and we're going to do it like like with passion and with what I call salsa. We're going to salsify the scripture. We're going to say it loud. We're going to say it strong and with passion. Can we say the scripture together? There it is. The Lord, your God, wins victory after victory and is always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you, and he will refresh your life with his love. Now, let's go ahead and thank him. Put our hands together. For the, for the promises of God and His Word. We started the series with part one entitled, A Vision of Victory. A Vision of Victory. And during that message, we talked about how no matter what you're going through, that God always begins by giving you a picture or a vision of victory that's waiting at the, at the end of whatever it is that you're going through. Because the same God that that called Abraham out of where he was to take him to a land that he was going to show him when he got there. The same God that only lit the path before him as if it were with a flashlight also shined a big spotlight into the future and said to look up into the night sky and if you can count all the stars, that's how numerous your descendants will be. If you can count the sands on the seashore, that's how numerous your descendants will be. The same God that couldn't tell Abraham the place where he was headed to but just said walk and you'll find out when we get there was the same God that gave him a vision of what he was going to do in his life because God always gives us a picture of victory for our life. In part two, we talked about the mission of victory, the mission of victory. And we, we talked about during that message how that our, our vision team uh, spends some time in prayerful discovery as to what's our role in the great commission of Jesus in partnering with God in reaching people for Jesus. And we rearticulated the great commission to fit our time, our, our place that we're living in, this region, and who God has called together in us. And, and, and we said that it's challenging everyday people to experience every victory in Jesus. In fact, if we can say it out loud together, let's say it together. Challenging everyday people to experience every victory in Jesus. And so we talked about that during part two of the mission of victory in part three, we talked about last week a history of victory, a history of victory. And the big, big idea in that, in that message was that 
Challenging everyday people to experience every victory in Jesus is not something new, but it's something that we've been doing over the decades of us being here. And we shared with you about how in 1971 and the property that we're in right now, this property used to be known as the Sky High Drive-In. And many people would come and in their vehicles, park their car with their boyfriend or girlfriend and watch a movie at the Sky High Drive-In. And in 1971, one of the movies that was shown in that year was the debut of a movie called The Brotherhood of Satan. Anton LaVey, the priest of the Satanic Church, debuted that movie in Youngstown. And when asked why, why would you choose Youngstown out of all places in the United States? He would say, because this area is ripe for Satanism and the occult. Little did he know that God had a picture of victory, a vision of victory from the very same property that that satanic priest would stand and debut a movie called The Brotherhood of Satan, and that man would curse a region with poverty and all kinds of things. Little did we all know and little did he know that God had a vision of victory, that a decade later that there would be a church by the name of victory that would buy this property and that in partnership with God will plant a flag of Jesus' victory on the very same property that this region was cursed. God would pronounce a blessing of victory. And we talked about how in Revelation, there's a verse that says in the book of Revelation that the, spirit, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That it's important to tell the stories of Jesus' victories. Because what that verse implies is that whenever you share the story or the testimony, the story of a Jesus victory, it creates in that atmosphere and in that moment the opportunity for that story to be repeated again in someone else's life. We've heard it said that the power is in the telling. I call it candy bar theology. Candy bar theology says that as a dad, I've got three daughters. And if I came home with one candy bar, and walked up to my, one of my daughters and says, this candy bar is for you. It's from your daddy because I love you. I would have two other daughters looking at me and saying, hold up, dad. Why would they do that? Because rightfully so, what I can do for one, I can do for the others. And the moment they heard the story of what I did for one, it creates in that moment potential for them to receive what one of, the, of their sisters or siblings got. If we are, as followers of Jesus, sons and daughters of God, when we hear a story of what Jesus did in one of his son's or daughter's life, Candy Bar Theology tells us if God the Father can do it for them, he can also do it for us because he's our same father and he's good and he's just and he loves to do good things for his children. And so last week we heard the story, we heard Vicky's story, our, our chief financial officer of Victory Christian Center and, and all the victories that she had experienced in her life. We, we heard Logan's story and all the things that God is doing in her life and we heard Sendo and Danielle's story. We highlighted those stories, there were just a few among many that we could tell because we wanted to create an opportunity for you to hear what our good father did for one of his sons and daughters, one of your siblings, so that you could have the faith and have the heart to say if he can do it for them, 
He can do it for us. And we let you know throughout this series that the challenge for us, the goal for this year is to collect 2019 stories, Jesus stories, like Vicky's story and Logan's story and Sendo and Danielle's story. And we want, to, want you to experience a Jesus victory this year, 2019 Jesus victories. And we're going to take those stories. We're going to tell those stories. We're going to write them down. And we're going to fill that display out in the lobby with Jesus victories. Because as we do, I believe that those victories will be multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. Not only in the four walls of this church and those watching online, but throughout this region as we get used to experiencing Jesus' victory after Jesus' victory. You can't contain it. You can't keep it silent, but it would go across this region and people will understand and realize in Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, that there is a God and he's alive and he's giving Jesus' victories to those who need them and those who want them. And so today, as we wrap up this series, I want to talk with you and talk to you for just a few moments on, on the title of today's message, A Formula for Victory. A Formula for Victory. And I want us to go ahead and turn to our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to begin there in just a moment. 1 Samuel is found in the Old Testament after, after Joshua and and, and Ruth and just before Psalms and Kings, you, you'll find 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 30, we're going to begin there. And if you, if you could put a bookmark in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 in the New Testament. If you've got a paper Bible like I do and you have one of, the, one of these ribbons, put the ribbon in 1 John chapter 5. If you're using a smart device, then just, uh, just write down 1 John 5. We're going to get there a little bit later on in the message, but we're going to begin in 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. In your program, you should have received the uh, connect card that you, you tore off the bottom portion of that, placed it in the offering. On the one side of, of uh, the top of that, there's a place for you to take sermon notes. And so we don't have a lot of scriptures for you today. We've got just a few. We're going to be staying predominantly in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 30. We're going to be staying there for uh, the majority of the message. But any scripture reference that we do give, uh, you may want to jot those down and for sure jot down any of the points that we give today. I want you to notice that on the other side of, of this card, a um, little bit different than what you've seen the last few weeks. And we'll explain this in just a moment towards the end of the message of what we want to do with the front side of this card. You're not going to turn this in. You're going to keep it. You're going to take it home with you. But this card today is very important because one of the things that we're wanting you to do is we're, we want you to write down the Jesus victory that you are believing God for this year. Many of you have already experienced the Jesus victory and you're placing them on the display. But we want to... We understand that there are some of us that are still believing God for a Jesus victory in a specific area of our life. I know my, it's true of my wife and I, and it's probably true of you as well. And so we want you to go ahead and write that down, and we're going to do something with that towards the end of the message today. So 1 Samuel chapter 30, I've asked you to turn there or click on, if you're using a smart device, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Beginning with verse 1, the Bible says... Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day 
that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse 5 says, And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Verse 7 says that David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Listen to verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, God answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. I want to talk to those of us here today that have lowered our expectations of what God can do in our lives. And I want you to see in this story how like we talked about during the first message of this series, we are victory. How God always begins by giving us a picture and a vision of victory. But today I want to talk to us about a formula for that victory. And I want to give you two thoughts for you to write down. And these are very simple. They're not deep. But they're two steps, two thoughts, two points that I believe it's a formula of victory that not only do we see in this story, but throughout Scripture, I believe this is a formula for our victory. Because many of us have, many of us have come here today We've not yet been able to write down a story of victory and pin it up on the wall because we're believing God for a Jesus victory this year. And I want to give you today the steps or the formula for that victory. And the first one, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. And if you're not taking notes, write it down. Number one is pray. Number one is pray. It's deep, isn't it? I want you to notice in the story that immediately when David's enemies came against him, I want you to notice what he did. The Bible says that he inquired of God. He inquired of God. In other words, David prayed. It's interesting to me that he would take this position, not only in this story, but in every battle that you read about David and his men, you see the same formula. You see the same strategy. Is David, whenever he would get the report that there was an invading army, 
or there was an attack, the very first thing that he would do is he would pray. Now, the reason I find that interesting is because David, David is one of the greatest generals of all time, one of the greatest leaders of Israel that Israel had ever had. I, I would say one of the greatest leaders of history. He was a great leader. He had, he had a, lot of, a, a lot of experience. He had a lot of knowledge of warfare and of battle. He had experience of winning battle after battle. One of the greatest generals of all time. Someone who could have relied on his own ingenuity, on his past successes, on his ability to understand the strategies of warfare, on his ability to engage his enemies. Someone who could have relied on his own strengths, on his own experience, on his own history of winning battle after battle, always found himself in the vulnerable position before acting anything out or trying to fight a battle to win a victory, you would find that he would first pray, inquire of God. And that speaks to us today because no matter what it is that we do in life, no matter what it is that we think we're gifted in, no matter what history tells us that we're qualified to do, whether it's a business or your home or your family or even ministry itself, it's this. We cannot simply rely on our own giftedness, on our own history of success, on our own talents or abilities or ingenuity that you need and that I need, the, the, the posture and the vulnerability that no matter if we've seen success in the past, that we always begin in the position of prayer. That if this church is going to accomplish anything in this region, Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, we cannot rely on past successes and we cannot rely on schemes of man that we must be a church that prays. We pray individually, we pray corporately, but we are people that inquire of God and we prayed. His secret of success was he prayed. In fact, the Bible says in Luke 5, 16, Luke 5, 16, you could jot that down, but the Bible says that Jesus himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. It was the success in Jesus' life. And everything that he did, he did because he quietly withdrew himself in moments of prayer to seek God, to see what God was doing, to hear what God was saying, and then do that. This is where the power comes from. This is where the power for victory and the faith for victory and the trust in God for victory comes from is when we embrace the simplicity of prayer. What's prayer? Prayer is simply a dialogue with God. Notice I said dialogue, not monologue. Because most people pray until there's nothing left to say. But few people pray until there's nothing left to hear. And if prayer is a dialogue where it's you and God having a conversation, who would you think has the most important things to say? And so prayer is not just simply telling God what we want. 
If David's life shows us anything, prayer is hearing from God what he's saying about what it is that we're going through and allowing him to give us with words a picture or a vision of victory. But I'm telling you that the formula for victory in your life, whatever you're believing God for, the son or daughter coming back home, the financial victory that you're believing God for, the victory at your job or at your school or with your family or in your marriage, that victory, the first part of that formula is pray. I remember the last words that my pastor, Pastor Cruz Collazo, at the little Hispanic church that I grew up in on the east side of Youngstown, his last words to me before I went off to Bible college was this. He said, remember, more prayer, more power. No prayer, no power. And so I learned that I was, as I was going off to Bible college to learn how to do this, to learn more about the scriptures, to know more about the intricacies of ministry, to gain some knowledge and some ability and some experience, I learned that the success of any minister, of any person called by God, you in the seats, me on the platform, is not having just ability or giftedness or talent or success or history or experience. But the secret to victory is prayer. More prayer, more power. No prayer, no power. In other words, the more our church prays, the more power of God will experience in and through our lives. The less we pray, the less power we'll experience in and through our lives. I want us as a church to be a church of prayer. Jesus said my house will be called not a house of worship, not a house of sermons, but it will be called a house of prayer. Go ahead and give him thanks for just a moment. In 1 John chapter 5, I ask you to put your bookmark there. Verse 14 says like this. Speaking of prayer, it says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What's that mean, according to his will? It means that God has a will. If you want to know God's will, it's very simple. This is his will. In fact, it's his last will and testament. God is not hiding his will from you. In fact, he actually wrote it down. And he ratified it with his son's blood. And he made it available. It's his word. I've learned that most, most of the time, if we're not careful, we want to hear God's voice. But we don't care to know his will or his word. And I'm telling you that if you want to be someone that hears the voice of God like David did and like many people that have victory after victory do, then you've got to become familiar with his word. Why is that important? Because as we steward his word, as we steward his word, God will give us access to his voice. You know why? Because his voice and his word sound very much the same. And we can't be people that just hear his voice without knowing his word. Because if we hear his voice, we don't know if it's really him speaking. But if we become familiar with his word, his will, what he's written, when we hear his voice, we'll know it and understand it. Why? Because we're his sheep. And, it's a, and it sounds a lot like his word. And God says that we have confidence in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So prayer is powerful. And one of our core values when it comes to prayer is this. Every time we pray, something happens. It's impossible for us to pray and nothing happened. Why? Because his word says, his will says that we have confidence when we approach God. That when we approach him and we ask anything according to his word, he will hear us. Let me uncomplicate a few things for those of us who are confused about his will. I'm here to tell you that his last will and testament says that salvation of your son and daughter, of your unchurched friend, family member, co-worker, neighbor, it's his will for them to be saved. It is God's will for them to be healed. Healing is the will of God. Well, I don't know if God wants to heal this person and not want to hear the, heal this person. I'm here to tell you that his word declares that it's God's will to heal every time. I'm here also to tell you that it's God's will to set men and women free. This should cut the clutter and confusion of going to God in prayer. We can go with confidence knowing his will and knowing that we have anything that we ask of him. It takes faith. It takes trust. It takes belief. But we must be people of prayer. Somebody, if you agree, go ahead and thank God for just a moment. David prayed. David prayed. And the second thing that David did, number two, the second thing that David did is that David pursued. He pursued. Whenever I'm, I'm teaching a message like this, I'm very intentional. The reason we, we always try to give you a couple of points to write down is because we want you to leave here remembering what was said. We want you to leave here understanding, and so we try to simplify things as much as we can to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. And so often we would, the points often, if they run together, you know, for example, like we just did here, the, the two notes, the only two points that we gave you, they start with the letter P. Sometimes we have them um, rhyme so they'd be easy to remember. And we could have done, done that on this point as well. In other words, instead of the word pursue, we could have said obey. So the formula for victory is to pray or pursue or pray and obey. Pray and obey. Pray and pursue. David pursued. Not only did he pray and get instructions from God in that time of prayer, but he pursued. He obeyed. He partnered with God. He participated with God. He actually got involved in the process of God giving the victory. This is very biblical. To understand that God does not just arbitrarily push buttons in heaven to give us victories. That what God is looking for is he's looking for partnerships, you and I. That whatever Jesus victory you're going to write down on this, on this, on this paper this, this today, that it's not as if God is just going to arbitrarily one day decide that this is a good month, it's a good week, I'm just going to give you the victory. But when we pray, what often happens if we pray long enough to hear, we'll get an instruction about that victory that we're believing God for. And you see this time and time and time again throughout the scriptures. That God doesn't arbitrarily just run things from heaven. But that what he has made himself vulnerable to in his sovereignty is partnership with someone on earth. So that the yes on earth 
can match the yes that he's given in heaven. He's looking for people who would partner with him, who would, who would release his kingdom, heaven on earth. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray this prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. How? As it is in heaven. And he's looking for partnerships. He's looking for people that will pursue. Not people that just would pursue him casually, but people that would pursue him with great, with, with great, uh, with great passion and great desire that we would hear the instruction from heaven that is the key to unlocking that victory and obedience to that instruction when we pray and obey. That's the formula to unlock the breakthrough, to unlock the victory. And you see it time and time again throughout scriptures. Do you realize that it wasn't God who parted the Red Sea? You say, well, wait a minute. That's not biblical. Read the scriptures. God did not arbitrarily stand up in heaven and just blow from heaven and parted the Red Sea. Was he involved? Of course he was. But he made himself vulnerable to a man by the name of Moses. What did Moses do in that critical moment? Pharaoh's army behind him, the Red Sea in front of him. He prayed. What did he pray for? He was praying for a God-sized victory in an impossible situation. And what did God do? Did God give him a miracle? No. He gave him an instruction. Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand at the edge of the Red Sea, and I want you to lift up your staff. And when you do the natural, you could trust me, baby, to do the super. And together, you and I make a great team. It's called supernatural. Moses prayed and obeyed. You see it time and time again in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho, a wall that they could not in the natural overcome, that walled city. How can they overcome that city? Joshua did the same thing Moses did. He did the same thing David did. He inquired of God. He prayed. And what did God do? Did he arbitrarily just clap his hands and cause an earthquake to make the balls fall down? No. He was faithful in giving Joshua an instruction. And what I'm telling you is that when you begin to pray, when you begin to have a conversation with God about the Jesus victory that you're believing God for, that what God is faithful to do, what God has backed himself in the corner to do for you is not just to hocus pocus give you the victory, but what he's faithful in is giving you an instruction. And the instruction that you choose to obey is the formula and the key for the breakthrough and the victory in your life. Somebody give thank God, thank, give God praise because it's clicking. David understood that. That's why in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. God will give you a vision, a picture of victory. God will speak to your heart in an atmosphere like this, where there's faith and where there's hope and where God is. He'll paint you a picture of victory, even in the most impossible of situations. He'll show you a picture of it, and he's saying this, write it down. Write it down and make it plain, and then read it. 
Why? Because when you leave an atmosphere like this full of faith and hope, you're going to step into a world that's hopeless, that's faithless. You're going you're, you're gonna, to you're gonna try to remember what God spoke to you. And when you get into that world, all of the noise of that world will drown out the vision God gave you. You know how important vision is? It's so important that that's the main strategy of the enemy. But what's sad is that most of God's children, we we don't have vision of victory. We don't have vision of God overcoming. And the enemy knows the strategy so well that often what 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 he gets us with is vision, is vision of sin, is vision of unrighteousness. I've never heard a guy come up to the altar and say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. Why? Because every time I close my eyes, I just see a vision of me living holy. Of me living right for God. It's it's the enemy always bombarding with vision, with a picture of what could be. I'm here to tell you that if you become a person of prayer, someone that has conversations with God personally, corporately, when we gather together, that God would begin to speak to you about your future. God is speaking about your future. He's speaking about my future. He has something to say about the future of this church and about the future of this region. And if you listen to the naysayers or you listen to the enemy, they'll tell you the best days are behind us. There's no hope. There's no future. But if you listen to the sound and the voice that comes from heaven, I'm here to tell you that I've heard from God, that God, the best days are not behind us. They're ahead of us. And if you would only believe it and see it, write it down and then run with it, God will give us the victory. This is important because if all you ever do is pray and you don't obey, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. I thought about David's, David's battles and how time and time again he modeled for us this formula of pray and obey, pray and pursue, getting involved and engaged in the victory that we're believing God for. Not just leaving it up to God all by himself. We've, we've been taught time and time again that without God, we cannot. But without us, he will not. That's what we're talking about. And I thought about the battles, the stories in the scriptures of David and, and all of the fights that he had and all of the victories that he had. And, and I was thinking about that this week. I thought about how, how what it must have been like to have been a young soldier in David's army. A newbie. The young guy. The guy that had never gone out to battle before and this was his first time still wet behind the ears. You know, little mustache trying to come through. And there he is with David and his mighty men for the first time. First Chronicles 14, you don't have to turn there, but that story is a very popular story. In fact, a couple weeks we read about it. It's whenever the Philistines came to attack David in the Valley of Rephaim, the Valley of Giants. And the Bible says that in that moment, David did the formula. He prayed, said, God, what's your instruction? God gave him an instruction, and David obeyed, and he got the victory. In that same chapter, here's what's interesting. As soon as that battle is over, the Bible says that there was a scout that came and reported to David, hey, David, the Philistines are coming back for another battle. And I thought about how it must, what it must have been like to be a young soldier in that army at that time. 
You see the scout and he's coming to the camp with a report. And as a young soldier, you're sitting there. This is your first time. You don't know. And, and you see David run to a tent. King David runs to a tent. And after spending some time there, he comes out. And, and there you are as a young soldier. And you, you walk over to a, a more seasoned veteran of David's army and says, what's going on? Why does every time we get a report from a scout, does David go and run inside of a tent? And I could picture in my mind's eye this veteran soldier looking at this young new soldier saying, oh, it's okay. David talks to God. And anytime he gets a report or anytime before battle, he goes away and he gets in, in that tent and he, he talks to God and, and God talks to him and gives him an instruction, gives him a strategy. And I picture in my mind's eye David coming out of this tent and pulling all the guys together and saying, all right, guys, God spoke to me. I've got a new strategy. The strategy this time is different. It's a marvelous strategy, in fact. Here's what God said for us to do. He wants us to go a different direction this time when we attack the Philistines. He wants us to go around, and you see those mulberry trees over there? Yeah, we see them, David. Well, we're going to go over to the mulberry trees, and we're going to wait. And when we begin to hear the marching of people on top of those mulberry trees, that's when we attack. The old veteran soldiers, you know what they said? That's a great strategy, David. That's perfect. Good strategy. It reminds me of Family Feud. You ever watch Family Feud? What I love about Family Feud is if you're part of a family that's on that show, no matter how stupid your answer is, your family's always going to say, good answer, good answer, good answer. In fact, I was, I was watching one time, Steve Harvey was on, and the, and the poll was, the poll was, uh, What's a word that, start, that starts with pork? You know, like, like pork rinds or, or pork chops. And, and one of the guys in the family said, you pine. Pork, you pine. You know what the family did? Good answer, good answer, good answer. And so the veteran soldiers, when David comes out of that tent, and says, hey guys, we're going to go the opposite direction of the last time we went. We're going to stand by the mulberry trees. When you hear people marching on top of the mulberry trees, that's when we attack. The veteran soldiers were like, good answer, Dave. Good answer. The young servants, the ones this was their first time out, it was like, so how many times did David get in the head doing battle? And, and I could see it as vivid as I'm talking to you today. David walking over to these boys who have never experienced a battle with David before, and David coming to them and asking them, you have a problem with anything that I've just said, son? These young soldiers just bowing their heads out of respect to the king and saying, no, sir. And David looking intently in their eyes and saying, I need you to understand that in moments like these, when I can rely on my own experience, my past successes, and my past victories, it may sound crazy to you, but in those moments in that tent, God speaks to me, and in a very significant way, he reminds me every time that it's not by might, and it's not by power, 
but it's by his spirit. That's how every moment and every time you and I have a victory. And I can imagine my mind's eye those young men saying, okay. I'm here to tell you, Victory Christian Center, that as we lead us into the future that God has planned for us, believing God for 2019 stories of Jesus' victory, that we're not moving ahead relying on past successes, on ingenuity, on self-ability. Those things are important. We need to be able to do what we do well, but at the end of the day, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by His Spirit that you and I win the battle, that you and I win the victory. Somebody give Him praise if you believe that. The Bible, the story ends in 1 Samuel 30 saying that David recovered all. He recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking. They got the victory. What I found interesting were the last few verses, verses 22 to 25. Because David had 600 of his men with him, but when they came to a brook, 200 stayed behind because the Bible says that they were tired. And so David went out to fight the Amalekites with only 400 of his brave soldiers. They bring back everything that was lost. 200 stayed behind, 400 went with David and fought and won the victory. And when they came back with all that was taken, there were a few men that went to battle with him that the Bible actually calls them troublemakers and evil, who said this, those that stayed behind, they don't deserve to get anything that they lost back because they didn't come out and fight with us. We'll give them back their wives and children, but that's it. David stopped them and said, no, never will we do such a thing. They stayed behind. They watched our equipment. They were tired. And he made a decree from that day on that still, the Bible says, is practiced in Israel and in God's people to this day. That if you win a victory, that it's not just your victory because we don't just have victories to gain, we have victories to give. And it may be that there will be people that won't be a part of the victory that you win in Jesus, but your victory becomes their victory. Your victory, our victory becomes our region's victory. We're believing God. God does not want to leave anyone out. He does not want to leave anyone without a Jesus victory. And I don't care if God uses a victory in my life to bless somebody else. Everyone gets to be a part of this. Every Everyone gets to participate. Everyone benefits when we experience of Jesus' victory. Give him praise as we close here in just a moment. Oh, come on, let's give a praise break for just a moment because he's that good. So there's a victory to gain and a victory to give. There's a victory to gain. What is that victory that you're believing God for? And if you haven't done so already, I want you to go ahead and take a few moments right now and write down that victory. What are you believing God for? What are you believing God for? My wife and I, we've got a couple of victories that we're believing God for this year. 
And we know that there are many things that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection provided for us. And although all of those things are available, they are not necessarily automatic. Healing is available, but it's not automatic. Prosperity is available, but it's not automatic. Joy, blessing on your family is available, but it's not automatic. There's a formula for victory. It's pray and pursue. Pray and obey. I want all of us to do something together before we leave today. Here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna take the Jesus victory that you're believing God for. And I'm gonna give you very clear instructions that we're gonna do this quickly and together. And what we're gonna do in just a second is we're gonna stand up all together and we're gonna come up to this altar together holding the Jesus victory that we're believing God for. And we wanna pray over you and we want you to leave here today with faith. You've written it down. We want you to go home and read it, talk to God about it. We want you to run with it. And we're believing that we're gonna celebrate with you as you go from here, what you're believing for, to pinning it on that display, what you and God did together. Amen, let's stand to our feet. And I want you to come fill this altar. Come forward, every person that's filled one of these out, every person that's believing God for Jesus' victory, you come forward. Honey, I'm gonna ask you to join me up on stage. Come on, come forward. Feeling all the holes. Come on. This is our moment. This is our moment of coming into the tent and meeting with God. There's a Jesus victory that you're believing God for. In fact, the Jesus victory that I have written down on here is different than the Jesus victory that my wife wrote down. I knew what she would be writing down. So I said, you know what? I'm going to write something different. She knows about this Jesus victory that we're believing God for as well. Thing is, listen, we need God to come through for each of these victories. I'm not smart enough. I'm not clever enough for these victories to happen. We need God, and so do you. And so what we're doing today is we're saying, God, we're gonna pray. And then we're going to hear whatever instruction you give us today, tomorrow, next week, a month from now. 
We're going to pray and then we're going to obey. And we're going to trust you for the victory. I'm here to encourage you. Listen. Delayed victories are not denials. Because some of you have a delayed breakthrough, a delayed victory. It's been months or years that you've been believing God. If it's delayed, it doesn't mean that it's been denied. And you've just received a formula for victory that I believe biblically when we apply it, it is victory every time, every moment. So hold your victory that you're believing God for. We're going to bless you today. We're going to pray over you. And then we're going to release you to run with the vision, to run with what God spoke to you this morning. Is that all right? So, Father, I thank you for every person. By faith, they have come up to this altar, this meeting place, this meeting space. And, Father, they have written down by faith that which they're believing you for. We have learned this morning that you are not just arbitrarily going to do magic in heaven and poof, this will be realized. We realize that you play a part, God, but we also realize that we play a part. And so, Father, we ask that you give us ears to hear what you're saying about this victory. What's the strategy that we're to obey? What's the instruction that you're calling us to? Give us ears to hear. Give us faith to obey. And, Father, we trust you for the Jesus victory in this area. Father, we picture ourselves. We see visions of us writing the story of Jesus for this victory and going to that display and putting it and pinning it on that wall. Just like you pin our sins to the tree at Calvary, we're gonna pin this victory on that wall and we're gonna share of your goodness and of your victory and of your faithfulness in and through our lives and family. And Father, today we're believing you for 2019 stories of Jesus victories. Victories not only that will gain, but victories that will give away in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Go in faith. Go in hope. And if you have a Jesus victory already, tell your story. Get it on display. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful afternoon today.